I'm Jeff Grody with Grody Ranch in Mason, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Great to be back with you for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Farm Bill debate continues. And according to one Texas congressman, we have a very solid foundation to build on. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. For Texas High Plains farmers trying to make the best out of a bad situation, Making the right decisions during what remains of this growing season is very important. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. New developments in irrigation technology continue helping farmers conserve water usage for their crops. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that report on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Water issues are facing valley producers as lake levels at Amistad and Falcon near record lows. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. As debate on the 2023 Farm Bill moves forward, Texas Congressman August Pfluger says we have a good foundation to build on, thanks to his predecessor. Uh, Chairman Conway did a great job, and he, he got this to a point, this is my predecessor who, in West Texas, worked all across the country to make sure that everyone knows that food security is national security, that the agricultural sector, the less than 2% of Americans who do this, are doing something that is of a national security importance level. And with the ongoing drought here in Texas, strengthening the safety net is a top priority. We have to make sure that we're looking at crop insurance. We're in a terrible drought right now, and this has to be a focus of the, of the farm bill that's upcoming. WIP Plus is very important for us. There are other ad hoc measures that take into account how hard it is to do this, how important food security is, national security issue, um, and that we, we move forward in a positive direction. It's very important that we keep this trajectory going, that we do no harm to the farm bill that was passed just a few years ago so that our country is not dependent on China or Russia or other malign actors for our food needs. West Texas Congressman August Pfluger. The drought is affecting the entire western United States, and pasture conditions are bad in all of the western states. But USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says no one has it worse than we do here in Texas. 
Effectively, if you take an area stretching from California eastward to the central and southern Great Plains and into the Mid-South, every one of those states extending as far east as Missouri and Arkansas, seeing rangeland and pasture conditions rated at least one-third very poor-to-poor, led by Texas at 91%, and then followed by Arkansas, 72%, and Nebraska at 62%. Rippey says pasture conditions are also bad in South Dakota and Montana due to drought. We're seeing more lightweight cattle placed into feedlots because of the drought, but Oklahoma State University livestock economist Daryl Peel says it's not only the drought that's causing that. You know, the drought is kind of aiding and abetting this. I think feedlots are just trying to hold numbers. That's what they need to do. They, You know, they're trying to keep their volumes up, keep the feed mill running. Uh, so they're placing kind of whatever they can get. The drought is helping that because it's forcing some people to move some cattle in. And so, uh, the, you know, the two are kind of co-conspirators in this, in this process. So, you know, and, you know, those lightweight cattle will stay on feed longer. It takes a longer time to finish them. That's going to help these feedlots uh, hold those numbers for a while. Uh, but the rate of marketings here should slow down at some point in time uh, because there's really less cattle flowing through the system. They're just spending more time in the feedlots while they're there. Oklahoma State's Daryl Peel. For Texas High Plains farmers trying to make the best of a bad situation, making the right decisions during what remains of this growing season is very important. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. D.D. Jones is the Texas A&M AgriLife Risk Management Specialist working out of the AgriLife Center in Amarillo. In my conversation with her a few days ago, I asked her what risk management advice she has for Texas High Plains farmers as a very tough growing season moves into what we customarily think of as the stretch drive toward harvest. Here's what D.D. Jones had to say. You know, there's not a whole lot of risk to manage right now because there's not a whole lot in the field. And, you know, a lot of guys, I think, have already collected insurance, and we're expecting very, very low production this year. And just to give you an idea, um, I work with some guys on the Southern High Plains insurance adjusters, and they said normally we'll see several million acres of cotton in the uh, panhandle to South Plains region. This year, they're expecting about 300,000. So we're going to have extremely high abandonment for a lot of different crops right now. For the uh, producers that do still have something in the field, I would just make sure that you definitely know your break-evens and you market effectively, mainly because if you wind up having a decent yield, but you've put more input cost, then you're going to get profit. You're really not better off. So just make sure as you go out there and you put that extra application of you know herbicide on or you do some more fertilizer or put some more water on or irrigation, that the cost of that input is going to basically offset by the higher yield because that's something that you're really going to have to look at this year is just the cost and the expense of doing business and make sure that you're doing it in a profitable way. On another note, D.D. Jones is once again offering classes for producers on using QuickBooks for record keeping. Contact AgriLife for more information about sessions coming up August 31st in Amarillo and September 8th in Lubbock. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Irrigation technology continues to help farmers save water. Tom Nicoletti has the story. For today's program, we'll go to San Angelo, and horticulturist John Begno joins us. And John, uh, certainly in the, the drought of 2022 and, uh, and the excessive heat, everybody is trying to save water. And, and farmers, of course, are trying to do the same when uh, they're irrigating their crops. Technology has gone a long way to help them. 
It sure has. You know, if we think about it, if crop production was limited to only rainfall areas, there's no way that we could feed the world or the U.S. And irrigation is a must for us to be able to have food security. Farmers realize that water is expensive. It's not just the cost of the water. It's the cost of the infrastructure. It's the utilities. It's all of those things. And that cuts into profit or the ability to grow crops. And so they're going to embrace technology that science and research provides. And some of this would include uh, various monitoring uh, devices and sensors. I think the whole world doesn't grasp exactly how technical farming has become. And a good example is in the irrigation sector. We have soil sensors that have been around that tell us when the water is dry and the roots cannot absorb water on certain crops and actually say turn on the irrigation or turn it on themselves. We also have crop sensors and crop sensors take in each individual crop and its water needs and their stage of development when they need excess water or more water and then turn on the irrigation systems. We have weather and transpiration sensors that take wind speed, temperature, all of this stuff into account and calculate how much water these crops need and when they need to be applied. That is John Begno. He is a horticulturist in San Angelo. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Water issues are facing deep south Texas farmers as reservoirs there are at record lows. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley. The valley's weather is hot, dry, and windy. Perfect harvesting weather to finish grain and corn and start cotton. Cotton defoliants are being applied and some harvesters are already picking early planted fields. The nation's first bale of cotton has been picked. Wesley Vanderpool of Alamo delivered the bale to the Willisey Co-op and then delivered to the Harlingen Chamber of Commerce. It'll be auctioned to furnish scholarship monies for area students. The Stone Bull variety was $49.90. The field harvested late June planted in February 15. Well, another problem brewing concerning for Valley producers is lake levels at Amistad and Falcon Reservoir. They have dipped to basically 20-year lows and are nearing all-time record lows. Amistad Reservoir, now 33.3% full, is a full 62 feet below conservation level. Falcon is 12.1% full, 46.5 feet below conservation. Together, over 100 feet below conservation level. If water continues to shrink at the current levels, municipal users will face huge cuts in water allotments and agriculture. Well, they may be cut out altogether. Water districts in the valley have already sent letters warning of irrigation cutbacks if water does not fall soon. Another dispute is that Mexican authorities that run the Mexico side of the water system don't agree with the International Boundary and Water Commission who run the U.S. share of the reservoir system about how much water is in the system totally and what is each share of water going to each country. Now, Valley cities have been sending water even to Monterey, Mexico, bottled water to help out because of the water situation there. Monterey citizens can go days without seeing any water delivery. Valley cities will soon start water restrictions themselves and will get pretty severe by mid-August if rains do not fall. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. We are inching closer to the start of the fall hunting seasons, and now is the perfect time for hunters to take hunter education. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. 
and BRD is the greatest concern facing the candle industry. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas youth can expect the best in life by holding themselves to the highest standards. And the Texas Farm Bureau can help students put together the pieces that make up a successful leader. Through our Student Success Series, students in 8th through 12th grade can learn more about leadership, networking, and personal professionalism. Registration for Student Success Series is open now. Find out more information at texasfarmbureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. BRD, or bovine respiratory disease, is the greatest concern facing the cattle industry. Dr. Bob Judd says it's the number one cattle killer. Dr. Matthew Scott from the Texas A&M campus in Canyon, Texas, indicates that BRD is the leading cause of illness and death in cattle production systems. The disease can affect cattle of any age and breed, and the United States loses $1 billion due to treatment costs and production costs every year due to BRD. And it is estimated 20% of all cattle raised for beef production will require some treatment for BRD at some point in their lives. The cause of the syndrome are many, and several factors play a role in development of this syndrome, including genetic susceptibility, stress, exposure to sick cattle, sudden weather change, parasites, and exposure to disease-producing organisms. Because cattle are a prey species, they try to hide signs of illness, making it difficult to detect the disease. Initially, the only sign may be cattle lagging behind the herd and isolating themselves from the group. Other clinical signs include rectal temperatures over 104 degrees Fahrenheit, discharge from the nose and eyes, coughing, a tilted head or ear, decreased appetite, and unwillingness to stand. Prevention of the disease is much easier than treatment, and making sure all calves receive adequate colostrum when they are born is critical. Vaccines, dewormers, and adequate nutrition all play a role in immunity, but reducing stress is likely the most important method to decrease BRD. Low-stress handling techniques, clean bedding, and access to food and water are important. Performing procedures like castration, dehorning, and vaccination before weaning will make a major difference in the number of BRD cases that occur. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Hunting season is inching closer. Jessica Domel tells us now is the perfect time to take a hunter education course. With dove season just a few weeks away, now is the perfect time for Texas hunters to sign up for and complete a hunter education course. Steve Hall, hunter education coordinator for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us with more. Hunter education is a firearm safety and hunting safety course that's offered to the general public. It is mandatory for hunters born on or after September 2nd of 1971 in Texas. Every state has such a program and they're all reciprocal with one another, but mostly they get trained in the kinds of things that they need to know basically when they go afield hunting or even when they're just going to the range and enjoying the shooting sports. There are several options for hunter education 
education. For those under the age of 17, there's a classroom course and an internet and field course option. Hunters over the age of 17 have the option to take an online-only course if they'd rather. August is the best time to take hunter education because it is prior to the September 1 dove season, which is kind of considered the opener for the hunting seasons. But right now is a busy time of year mostly because the demand is the highest, but also the number of courses that are offered start going way up as well. So between the months of August through November is a really good time to take hunter education because, again, that's when most instructors can reach most students. That is Steve Hall from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Additional information on hunter education is available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. That website is tpwd.texas.gov. There, click on hunting and then hunter education. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We ended the week Friday with a higher close in the cattle complex. Cotton and corn finished higher as well. We'll update all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Hi, everybody. This is Kerry Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You know, every day on the radio, I have to report on how awful everything is in Texas agriculture right now. The heat, the drought, the markets. I just can't imagine how this is making you feel as a Texas farmer or rancher. Well, if it's getting to you, I want to ask you to give some friends of mine a call. It's called the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Here's the number, 833-897-2474, 833-897-2474. Farmers and ranchers are some of the toughest people on earth, but hey, we all need help sometimes. If you just need somebody to talk to in these tough times, Give them a call, 833-897-2474, or if you can't write it down, go to farmlifehelp.com. Do me a favor, don't wait, call them today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We had a higher close in the cattle futures market on Friday to wrap up the week with August live cattle up 17 cents. Ending the trading week at 137.87, October was up 22, 143.87, while December live cattle gained 7 cents to close the week at 149.97. Same story on the feeder cattle market. August feeders up 45 cents, 179.52. September feeder cattle up 85 at 183.42. October up 47, 185.95. Cash fed cattle trade was steady to a dollar higher here in Texas over the past week. We sold cattle from 135 to 136, and then we saw the same stair step up as you move north in Kansas. Fed cattle sales range from 136 to 138. Nebraska live sales from 140 to 145, and Iowa sales were 144 to 146. Boxed beef was lower on Friday. Choice down a dollar 18, 265.10. Select down a dollar eight at 239.27. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. 
Auctioneer Choice selling these cattle at Addis Coast Livestock. They had that sale on Tuesday. Jim Wheeler, proprietor. Jim, how'd that sale turn out? Market was good. They put uh, money back on Packer cows on Monday, and it held up till Tuesday. And our cow number slowed down just a little bit, which is good. I don't know if we're running out or people buying more hay. Jim, let's walk the pins. They ended up with 680 there Tuesday. 270 were steers, 231 heifers, 148 cows, and 23 bulls. Steer side, two to three weights, $1.60 to $2.10. Heifers were $1.45 to $1.70. Three to four weight steers, $1.60 to $2.04. Heifers were $1.40 to $1.67. Four to five weight steers, $1.45 to $1.84. Heifers were $1.30 to $1.63. Five to six weight steers, $1.30 to $1.70. Heifers were $1.20. 20 to $1.59. Six, seven weight steers, $1.25 to $1.50. Heifers were $1.15 to $1.45. Seven, eight weight steers, $1.20 to $1.56. Heifers were $1.00 to $1.25. Eight to nine weight steers, $1.00 to $1.35. And heifers were $85 to $1.23 there. How about the cows? At one fifty four, uh put twenty four cents on them since last Monday or last Tuesday. Best Packer cow brought eighty bucks, best bull brought a dollar one and a half. Few bred cows in the mix, they brought from five fifty to eleven hundred. And about next week, what do you think? Thinking five to six fifty. We've got a little chance of rain Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but I'm uh, thinking maybe two or three tenths out of the whole thing if we do get any. Well tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Reach us at eight three oh five six nine two five one six. Jim Wheeler at Escosa livestock sells them on tuesday larry marble walking the pins talks to you on the texas farm bureau radio network we'll do it again tomorrow neighbor good day thanks larry back over to the futures market now we're lean hogs finished higher on friday august hogs up 17 cents 120 82 the october contract up 80 cents 98 40 class three milk was mixed with august milk up four cents 1998 100 weight September milk down 21 cents at 19.2700. A strong close higher in the cotton market on Friday, mainly on the weather. The U.S. drought monitor came out on Thursday. It actually showed a slight improvement in the Texas panhandle thanks to those nice rains we've gotten there recently. However, it showed a worsening drought in West Texas and the Southern Plains, so that supported our new crop cotton futures. October cotton up 156 points, 101.68. The December up 151 points. At 96.13, the corn market closed higher also on the weather forecast. A hot, dry forecast for the corn belt helped to boost corn prices on Friday. September corn up 8 cents, 6.10 and a quarter. December corn up 3 and 3 quarters at 6.10 a bushel. Wheat market, however, finishing lower Friday. Both hard and soft wheat in the red. September Kansas City wheat down 12, 8.48 and a quarter. September Chicago wheat down six and three quarters, seven seventy-five and three quarters. In the energy market, September natural gas was down eleven cents at eight dollars even. September crude oil down thirty-five cents, eighty-eight nineteen a barrel. The financial markets were narrowly mixed Friday afternoon, with the Dow up twenty-one points, thirty-two thousand seven forty-eight. The Nasdaq down 98 points at 12,662. The S&P down 15, 4,136. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. 
Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.